Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am beyond thrilled, fangirling, I don't know, whatever we're going to call it, um, to have these two. So this is my first duo on the podcast authors who I have been a fan of since their very, very first book, The Wife Between Us, which still is at my all-time top favorite books, favorite cover, all the things. Um, Their latest book, The Golden Couple, is out now, and it is phenomenal. I am so happy to have Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen with me today. Welcome, ladies. Hi, thank, oh, you, for thank you for us. having us. This is so great to be see you and be talking to you. It's wonderful. Yes, I we were just chatting before for everyone tuning in. I clearly remember getting Greer and Sarah's. It was like before book influencing was a thing. It was like a promotional. It came with like a huge poster board of the wife between us. And I remember seeing the cover and I was like, I don't even know what this book is about, but like I am all in. And then I read it. And like I mentioned before to you guys, I was like auto subscribe to anything (laughs) these two write because you guys are like you hook people from the start. I mean, your books are just, once you read that first page, you are in. And The Golden Couple is, you know, just as good as even better than than all you've done before. So that's just kudos to you guys. But I'm so, I'm so excited because I just am so curious to know how you guys do all right and, and do it so well. So if you two could give us a little backstory of how you sort of came together and, and, and created this fabulous writing duo of yourselves. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, I mean, Sarah and I love to talk about our origin story, you know, like mm-hmm. with any sort of like with any romance. Um, but for those of you who don't know, I was a book editor. Uh, this is Greer speaking for 20 years at Simon and Schuster. And I acquired Sarah's debut solo book. Um, mm-hmm. She, her agent sent her, um, you know, sent her book around and a lot of editors were interested and I persevered and we worked together as an editor author team for seven books. And during that time, we got really close. We had all these uncanny similarities. We both had studied psychology and journalism. We were both um, had started taking tennis lessons at the same time. We're both terrible cooks. Um, We're the same age. We both have brothers we're really close to named Robert. So we got really close. And then when I left corporate publishing, in the back of my mind, I wanted to write. But I wasn't telling many people because like, that's a really scary thing to say. Uh, but Sarah and I had gotten really close. And so I said to her, you know, hey, I want to tell you, like, I'm, I'm actually thinking of trying to write. And she said, I said, let's write a book together. It was, <laughs> it was sort of spontaneous, but also not spontaneous. And, mm-hmm. you know, as I've thought back, like how that moment happened, um, I had been a journalist for many years, and I had often collaborated with other writers on, you know, big magazine pieces, you know, things like that. So I was really comfortable doing that. And Greer and I, you know, had such a great, strong relationship as author and editor that had really become, you know, a friendship independent mm-hmm. of that, where we would have long dinners. And when Greer told me she wanted to write a book, she said, um, would you mind if I like, you know, bounce some ideas off of you or if I get some pages together, would you mind reading them and just, you know, telling me frankly what you think? So for me, that was like the next logical pro- progression is like, well, don't do that. Let's just do the book together. 
And so we, the next day, just sat down and began brainstorming, you know, what kind of book do we want to write? And it went from there. And Sarah, you being a solo writer and your solo novels too, I want to plug those because those, I read so many of your solo books and those are just so phenomenal as well. Were you nervous to sort of like relinquish a little bit? I mean, writing is so solitary and, and like you're in control until obviously you send your book off, you know, to an editor and, and stuff like that. But were you a little nervous like to be like, okay, now, I mean, I know you guys were close, but what was that sort of feeling like? Or were you like excited because it's like, woohoo, I have somebody else like to bounce ideas off of and do stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely wasn't nervous at all. And I, you know, I had done so many different kinds of writing through the years. I'd been a journalist and then I had, you know, I'd written some short stories. I'd written books. I had had a magazine column. So different types of writing Mm -hmm. and writing with kind of different, you know, people like, you know, I had different editors through the years or I'd, you know, do a shorter collaboration with, you know, another newspaper or magazine writer. And I just knew Greer and I got along so well that Mm -hmm. I was not nervous. I was actually just really excited. Like this is just going to be a a fun, great thing for us to do together. And I was really confident from the beginning, like this is going to, this is going to work. You know, we're going to be able to write a great book together. And thank you. Thank you for, you know, your, all your kind words about all of, all of the books. I mean, it, it, it really, I think we succeeded beyond you know, our wildest dreams, like the fact that we actually wrote a book and then it, it, you know, got picked up and it sold so well and people are, you know, are still responding to it and to our subsequent books. It's been wonderful. And Greer, did you, were you nervous sort of taking off the editor hat and jumping in? And then maybe you felt the same way, like you had a buddy in this. So sort of like, it would be a little bit more comforting than like being on your own. What did that, what was that like for you? Well, I was really nervous that I was going to let Sarah down because like I'd edited hundreds of books yeah, um, and I'd, I'd written a couple of articles, but I had never written a book. So I was a little nervous that I wouldn't be able to like, what if, you know, she had this instinctual idea, but what if, you know, what if I couldn't live up to it? Like she, I knew she could write books. I, you know, I read them and edited them. Right. So it was a little bit of pressure, but I also felt like, what are you thinking? This is going to be a masterclass in learning how to write a book. Mm-hmm. So in terms of a growth opportunity, uh, you know, I was in and, and I said to Sarah upfront, if at any time this isn't working, you know, just like we can back off because I needed to just know that, that, you know, that there was that kind of out for her, but we hit the ground running. I mean, Sarah, as Sarah said, you know, we, we both, we looked at our bookshelves um, and we, picked out the books that had resonated the most with us over the past few years. And we both were, of course, there was like so many overlaps, like Before I Go to Sleep by S.J. Watson um, and the um, a lot of Leanne Moriarty. They were all books with strong female protagonists that were psychological mm-hmm. in nature. And so we knew that we had the same, you know, kind of instincts about the kind of story that we wanted to write. And then the first magical moment, Sarah came to New York and we went to a hotel room and we sat side by side and banged out 15 pages that we thought were just that we were going to set the world on fire. We, you know, we just thought they were so terrific. And in hindsight, I mean, 
they were awful. We reread them a few years ago and we were laughing so hard. They were so bad, but it was like that honeymoon where everything was like, you know, puppies and rainbows and everything was just so, it was so fun. And mm-hmm. that's how that, that, and that, that's how that whole book was. Everything was like truly charmed. You know, you mentioned the cover earlier and Sarah and I both wondered what, how are they going to tell this story in a cover because it's tricky you know without giving anything away there's you know some big twists and and they sent us our publishers sent us one cover and as an editor I mean that's unheard of I always send many copy and many different versions of a cover to authors and it was perfect it was that cover we didn't change a thing Mm -hmm. it was just genius perfection and it turns out that our brilliant editor Jen Enderlin had actually sketched out like that idea for a cover and it comes to her yeah that's really cool yeah and it was the perfect perfect cover it's I can't yeah it's an it is so perfect and like we were saying and and for people who have sort of followed me because I always share I made these little like beauty bags way back in the day and I remember that definitely was one of the first ones I did because I was like, this cover is too perfect not to be on something that needs to be like toted around. You know, it was just like the most perfect cover. But I love so much how there was so much joy. Like that book is so, so, so good. Like I can't even say, I can't talk about it enough and, and tell people to read it enough, but that you guys had so much joy in doing it. Like that's such a fun, that's what you want to hear, you know, um, as a reader and and you guys having so much fun. And I love that the way that you sort of found your genre was to see what books, because I was going to ask, how did you sort of fall into this genre, you know, of this sort of psychological suspense thriller-ish genre what could you see yourself doing that I mean Sarah some of your first solo novels definitely weren't that so like did you guys kind of think that you were going to do that or was it strictly based off whatever books were resonating with you yeah I mean that's a great question because definitely my first few books were more straight women's fiction like Emily Giffen, Jennifer Weiner Mm -hmm. and then as I progressed they began to have stronger elements of suspense Mm-hmm. and twist in them and I was getting more drawn to that genre and Greer as an editor had primarily edited like a lot of you know women's fiction too like Jennifer Weiner and you know so she didn't have that background either but she was also being very drawn to this genre so when we sat down to talk we realized it was almost inevitable we had both studied a ton of psychology in school. Mm-hmm. We love listening to podcasts. We're deeply interested in human nature. So it mm-hmm. just seemed like this was the direction we've been heading toward all along. I mean, you guys, I, I almost feel like, cause I, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you've read a ton of them, but like wives, mothers, like these thrillers, you know, like I feel like so many books now have like wife, wives, whatever. And I feel like The Wife Between Us sort of was at the very beginning of this like addictive read, you know, for women that are so into suspense and thrillers. Um, I feel like The Wife Between Us was right at the beginning of all of that. Because now I don't know if you guys feel, but like there's so many books, which they're so fantastic, but there's so many like, you know, wife yeah, or- I think. <laughs> fiance I, I, or yeah. whatever <laughs> yeah 
I agree with you. I think there are so many and, and our cover be, was so iconic that we would mm -hmm. see it being ripped off all the time too. Um, but I think, you know, what I think part of what made that book also so special is that I think a lot of thriller writers have rules, that there are rules that you're supposed to follow, you know, just like mm -hmm. with romance, there are like rules. Well, we didn't know what those rules were. And so we weren't afraid to break them. And so I think that's what makes that made that book extra special because even if you had read a lot of thrillers, it didn't follow a, any kind of formula because we didn't know what that formula was, you know? And, and I'm really grateful for that. We just kind of, you know, I mean, we did a lot of plotting. I was about to say we winged it, but we really didn't. We did a ton, a ton of plotting, but it wasn't based on other, you know, the way other people had done it. It was our own unique way. Which I love, I mean, th this is why I needed to talk to you guys. This is like my, like I'm in a candy shop because when you hear sort of the backbones of, of like, for me, favorite books, I'm always so curious, but like, that is so cool, especially being two, you know, new female writers, like strong, awesome female writers. And you guys were like, nope, we're going to do it our way. Um, and out came this like totally twisty totally addictive read um which you still you guys still just keep knocking it out of the park and like I had mentioned before the golden couple is so good and like I'm so curious as to how this idea sort of you know came to fruition and then I'll and then I want to and then I have questions about it <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, we mentioned earlier that our brilliant editor, Jen Enderlin, came up with a cover of The Wife Between Us by sketching it out. Mm -hmm. Jen Enderlin came up with the title of this book. She called us one day and said, I've got this great title. I can't believe nobody has used it before. I really think you guys can write a book around it, The Golden Couple. Mm -hmm. And we were like, wow, that is a great title. Okay, you know, we'll get back to you. So then we started brainstorming and we just started picking apart those words and what that title represented to us. And we came up with the idea of like the golden couple, obviously, but because, you know, we write twisty books, they could not be as perfect as they seemed. Mm -hmm. And that turned into like really us talking more about social media and how everything does need to look a certain way. So many of us are struggling in our relationships or with our kids or aging parents, but that's not what we put out for others to see. We serve up, you know, the, the you know, picture at a good angle with a, you know, filter. So we began talking about, you know, that kind of couple. And then we thought, you know, who would really be able to dig into that couple's secrets? We want the book to feel like almost like voyeuristic in a way that that we're getting to read their journals and their diaries and we're spying on them at night. And we started talking through different people like, well, you know, it could be a, you know, somebody that confessed to a church. It could be a family member. It could be a detective. It could be a therapist. And we were both like therapists. That's our wheelhouse. You know, we've done that in an anonymous girl. We've mm -hmm. written about a complicated marriage between the wife between us. So what if we blend that? And so it kind of took off from there. I mean, I think there, I have so many questions about this and I love that. I mean, the title is so solid and I'm actually shocked. Now I feel like we're going to see couple, <laughs> couple because <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I, because it is such a solid title and I didn't really, I mean, of course I had sort of read, a, you know, when it was announced what it was sort of going to be like, but I didn't know going into it 
what it was going to be like. And, and again, you're thrown for a loop. The ending is totally twisty. You like gaslight the whole way. I feel like where we're like, what's happening? Where are we going? Who's doing what? Is she good? Is she bad? <laughs> um, but I, I actually want to re rewind because I meant to ask this before, but you guys are in different locations when you're writing, unless do you meet up? Like, how does that work? Because I forgot to ask that logistical question. Yeah, that's a that's a great question because again, when we started, we didn't really even think about the logistics. And yes, yeah. I'm in New York City and Sarah's outside DC. And so we did that first kind of clandestine, you know, meeting in a hotel, but that clearly was not how we were going to work every day. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, my daughter, who was then 13, was like, Hey mom, there's this like new technology called Google Docs and Google Hangouts. And Sarah and I were like, what? <laughs> you know, you know what? We had no idea what it was. And so that was like, we, you know, Sarah and I say that's the third partner in our collaboration because mm -hmm. every day we would do these walk and talks where we talk about um, the scene we were, right, well, sorry, backtrack. We often talk first about what's going on in our lives because we always needed to kind of, you know, if something good, bad, whatever is going on, it's going to inform your writing day. So we talk about kind of what's going on with our, each other. And then we would talk about the scenes that we were, that we were going to work on. And then we'd hunker down and we'd do Google Docs and Google Hangouts. We would never turn the camera on because that would be like, you know, I feel a little scary if we just come back from a workout or, you know, whatever. And we, so we wrote, you know, for the first three books, literally like every single line together. And we'd go in um, you know, in the morning or at night and edit in suggested mm -hmm. uh, and suggested mode. But that that was our process. And then we'd get together every month or so we'd meet um, either in one or the other cities or later before right before COVID ended, we were meeting midway. And we mm -hmm. do a lot of like big brainstorming then with like big whiteboards, you know, post-it notes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was our, that's, that was our process for, for certainly for the first three books, things changed during COVID. Yeah. I was going to say, how did it evolve for the golden couple? Like how was this sort of structured and what was that like? Yeah. I mean, definitely things changed during COVID because, you know, we had family at home. I had, you right. know, four or five kids running in and out of the house and I had contractors tearing up my kitchen and Greer mm. had, you know, little dogs that bark and her husband home. So we would definitely do the walk and talk, but then we would separate um, and there was just more individual writing throughout the golden couple. And did you still, would you still utilize Google Docs for, for your yeah. writing? Yeah. And yeah, then you guys- we both go back in and, you know, work on the manuscript, you know, revising, editing ourselves and, you know, so yeah, we both do that. So we would absolutely use Google Docs during the whole process. I love the walk and talks. That's so I'm, I'm That would be like, you'd want to be like a little fly sitting on somebody's shoulder, listening to your <laughs> conversation. Um, do you guys, or not. <laughs> or, I mean, I'm sure it is a fascinating conversation. I'm sure. Um, do one of you want to give a little synopsis or a little elevator pitch of what the golden couple is all about? And then I can ask a couple questions about um, some of the characters. I just didn't, it was just so good. Yeah, yeah, let's do our we can two do part. a dual synopsis. <laughs> yeah, dual synopsis. Okay, Sarah, you start. <laughs> so the Golden Couple is the story of a maverick therapist named Avery. 
She's based in Washington, D.C., and she has actually lost her license to practice as a therapist because she does not follow any rules. And she has created her own method, which is a 10-session method. Her deal is you can walk through her door as a prospective client, and you can bring in any problem at all, something from your childhood, something from your marriage, something with your parents, work, whatever it is, she will assess you. And if she believes she can fix you in 10 sessions, she will take you on as a client. But you have to do whatever she says during those sessions. So our, the other character, because it's told in alternating um, points of view, is um, Marissa Bishop. And Marissa, as we were talking earlier about kind of like social media and the world, you know, kind of how mm -hmm. your, her, her life looks to be a certain way. She's got this really handsome, successful husband and this adorable son, um, but there's, there's, there's an issue going on and she urges her husband to um to to go see Avery and they walk into Avery's office and I'm not giving anything away to anyone who hasn't <laughs> read this yet but basically on page three he thinks they're there to talk about their eight-year-old son Bennett who's been bullied at school and she says no I need to tell you something I I cheated on you and it's like a bomb has gone off in that office and then the question is you know will they engage Avery to try to help them you know figure out the, the issues in their marriage and, you know, in, in 10 sessions and it goes from there. So, and boy, does it go in circles. You don't know what's going on. It's like a tornado. Where did the, so Avery, I feel like would be in like a Shonda Rhimes show, like <laughs> no rules, super like intense, like you, you're, you're questioning her actions, but like you love her on the next page. Like she, I just love that character. What was the, like, where did, what was the idea? What was the inspiration for her? Like, I know you guys said that you studied a lot of psychology and stuff in school, but like, where, where did she come from? You know, I'd love to have like a super neat answer. Like, oh, we saw this picture and, <laughs> and she immediately formed, but it truthfully, it came about you know, as do all of our ideas through many hours of conversation and building her up through layers. And, you know, we knew we wanted this maverick character, but, you know, finding out the things that had happened in her life to make her that way, you know, to make her into a truly believable character just took a lot of work about, you know, we're talking about, well, in this situation, what would she have done? And do we want her to be married or not? Or what would work for her? So we really got to know her almost as intimately as, you know, say we had been the therapist and, you know, Avery had come in as a client and, and we start with, you know, what brings you here? And, and just, it just kind of plumb her mind and her feelings to figure out who she is. And I'm just so glad that you loved her. And I think you said the golden couple was your favorite of our books. Um, because, you know, we loved her, like, we love Avery, she was so fun to write. And, you know, we imagine like, you know, a therapist, and we've even heard this from a few therapists, who are like, they know what their clients need to do. And they sometimes almost want to shake up and say, just do this, and your problem will be gone. But traditional therapy doesn't allow you to do that. It doesn't allow you to lead in that way. And it was such fun to let Avery just take the reins and, and solve problems in her own way. Yeah, I, I mean, we, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Greer. 
No, I was just going to say she start like the what started was that that ten session method came to us, you know, almost immediately. And but then it's you know that's only her methodology, but what, you know, all, all, what, what made her come up with that and who she really, you know, who she really is. It's like layer after layer. I think one of the greatest um, compliments we got was that Lori Gottlieb, who Sarah and I both loved her book. Maybe you should talk to someone. It's like up there, like she blurbed the book. She's a therapist and she, yes. and, and she, you know, called it a riveting, like a cat and mouse, you know, thriller or something to that effect. And when she gave us that blurb, I feel like we felt it was like the ultimate endorsement that, you know, this awesome therapist fell in love with our therapist. Yeah, no, I mean, I fully agree. And, and, and I just looked at the back and she said, this is a psychological thriller in every sense of the word. And, and that is so true because it, Avery's getting into their minds they're in our minds. <laughs> you're totally, you know, it's, it's so much thinking and like questioning. And, and at the end, you're really thinking a lot. Do you guys even not even just for the golden couple, what sort of like research do you do? Or is it just strictly out of like ideas, thoughts, and your conversations for your books? Like, did no, you we talk definitely to do research. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. I mean, my sister-in-law is a therapist where his mom is the therapist. So we definitely talk to them and they're both, you know, um, you know, readers and, um, you know, read early drafts and we both Google, you know, like so much and end up just going down these rabbit holes of like, oh, did you see this study? Did you hear about this? We listen to psychology podcasts and we read psychology today, but there were like many articles that we read um, during the course of researching this. And, and we did really for all of our books, you know, whether it was learning about frequency illusion, you know, for the white between us or, you know, whatever it was like that, that's always been a pretty strong um, thread through all of our novels. Yeah, we like with the with anonymous girl. We had um, a lot of psychology studies that we sprinkled throughout to kind of you know add sort of texture to that book. And then certainly for um, you are not alone. Every chapter there's a character Shay who for a long time we just called Data Girl because she's kind of obsessed with data. And mm -hmm. each of her chapters begins with some really interesting data nugget. You know, do you believe in love at first sight? And lots of questions. So, and that was also really fun. I I, I will agree with Sarah that we did sometimes we go down rabbit holes. We're like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. We're going <laughs> back to writing because we're yeah. like we're like ten steps away from the book right now. But it's so that's it's so fun. I'm sure. I mean, I could only imagine. I feel like so many authors talk about the research, and at some point, you have to like pull yourself back to why am I here? Because like the internet for anybody, you can be. You know, it's like Instagram. All of a sudden, you're like, how did an hour just go by? And you're just like, <laughs> you know, scrolling. But I, I actually didn't even put together when you had mentioned before the, you know, like the bishops and this golden couple idea and and social media. And I'm just curious, like not necessarily the inspiration for them, but what, like, where did, what, did you see anything or was there anybody in mind um, when you are planning out who the bishops were going to be? Cause it is such an interesting topic, you know, social media and what do we see and, and comparison and stuff like that. And then it's like, well, what's really real and, and stuff like that. So I'm just curious what your thought process was for the bishops. 
Yeah, I mean, none of our characters are based on real people, although we do occasionally think of like actors and actresses who yeah. would you know, be great for the roles. That's the fun part. But for the bishops, I mean, we all know those people. Like we yeah. all have that friend who is always put together and just, you know, looks wonderful and doesn't seem to have any issues and, you know, glides through life. And, you know, sometimes we see them like if we're standing behind them at the grocery store, the dry cleaner, and we look down and we've got dog hair on our pants and you know our hair is up in a messy ponytail and we're like oh you know how is that person put put together so beautifully or school drop off so um you know I think they just kind of more represented the image that um you know different people portray at different times and in different places Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, and I think if you talk to, you know, Courtney, probably like any of your friends, so many people's lives do uh, on the outside look, um, you know, look, look perfect. And then when you actually get to know them more, they are, they're struggling with, you know, a parent, a child, a husband, uh, you, know, a, you know, whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of, some people are very, you know, open and honest. And I mean, I'm really grateful, like Sarah and I, we were so, you know, have been so open and honest with each other over the years about, you know, struggles that, you know, we've gone through. And maybe someone on the outside would look at us and be like, New York Times bestselling authors, everything's perfect. But you know what? It's not, it's not for anybody. No, and I and I love that so much because it is so true. And we, you know, like I said before, like comparison, it's so hard with social media these days because, you know, you do see things. And if you're like a mom and then these moms have like these plates of perfect food for their children and you're like, my child only eats chicken nuggets. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, you just are instantly like, oh, I wish. But then you do, you do have to remind yourself like, you know what, I don't know what people, you know, what's going on with people, social media, you can do, put whatever you want out there. And, um, I just love that comparison that you mentioned that about the bishops and how you mentioned before you think of people to be, uh, think of actors or actresses in these roles. Did, could you think of anybody who would play Avery? We actually think there's a, a number of, um, actresses who would, okay, who would give me a few. Oh, I don't know. Are we allowed to say? Oh, can you not? I don't think at the moment we can okay. because we're like, there may be stuff going on, okay. but um, yeah. And we sometimes don't name the wrong actress. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we but don't want to name exciting. the wrong actress. Well, that's I yeah. feel like I don't even need anything. That just little tidbit was enough because that sounds like it's super <laughs> exciting. And the wife between us, that was gonna that is gonna be a movie or TV show. I, I know it was optioned because I remember yeah, I was, was like thrilled. It was optioned. It was actually really exciting because it was optioned. We, when we sold the book, we sold Mm -hmm. it on a partial manuscript, which is unusual. And it leaked to um, Hollywood. And so it was acquired by Amblin, Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment before we'd actually been finished the book. Um, And it was, it was very exciting. And then um, we didn't really hear anything. And then um, we were on tour. I can't remember what book it was, for Sarah, was it wife or anonymous? It was for wife. Yeah, it was for wife. We were on book tour, and we got a call that one of the heads um, of Amblin wanted to meet with us, and she was going to be in New York. And so, when you travel on book tour, no matter how many cities you're going to, you pack one suitcase because you're mm-hmm. going from city to city, and you never want to check your bags. And so, Sarah and I land in LaGuardia. We're heading straight to this hotel to meet with, you know, this very senior 
person and we're like pulling out our dresses you know like is, is this one too wrinkled is this one too stained does this look okay and we race um to meet her and she was so lovely and she said look i'm talking to you guys because i love your book but we're having a hard time finding writers who had the have the right take on it and we wondered if you guys would want to give it a shot and try to write the screenplay. And this is one of the biggest differences between Sarah and I is like, as you can see, she kind of acts on her instincts and I'm like a little more cautious. And Sarah's like thinking, of course, we're gonna jump and do this. And I'm like, we would like to think about this. <laughs> but we did, we said, yes, we said, yes. And we did, we wrote we wrote a screenplay and they keep re-optioning re it. So who knows? Oh, I could totally, I, I can picture it all. It's going to definitely happen. I mean, the universe knew when you said before that it leaked to Hollywood and it was already like acquired. They just knew, the universe just knew that you guys were like a dynamite duo and that things were going to happen. I mean, all your books I can see is movies or series. I mean, these are the things people Aww. are watching now that are, were totally hooked. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's to come um, from any of your books. They're all they're all so fantastic. Um, okay, now it is time, and I'm so curious because Greer and I were chatting before about beauty things for your speak <laughs> lists, which we can we would we could we'll have to do a follow up strictly just beauty beauty episode because okay. um, people would want to know what your beauty like a laundry list of your beauty favorites people like I would be interested in that okay <laughs> Greer and Sarah chic list and you guys can whoever wants to chime in um first what three celebrities authors figures living or dead would you want to have a book club with wait I just want to say Sarah and I have not spoken about our answers and I'm so curious Ooh. if there's going to if there's going to be um, overlap in any of our categories. So um, do you want to do Ooh, this I one love first? this. A little plot twist in here. Okay. <laughs> Younger, go ahead. Okay. Well, I, so um, I, because as I've made, I think we've said, like, I'm really obsessed with, you know, like the unconscious patterns, you know, that drive human behavior. And so when you asked about a, uh, um, um, a book club. I, I chose all kind of um, like therapists, kind of in that in that in that realm. So I picked Lori Gottlieb, as who we've mentioned, um, Esther Perel, who has that awesome podcast. You know, where should we begin? She's the mm -hmm. she's the couples therapist, and then um, Shankar. I hope I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Shankar Vendantam, who does that Hidden Brain podcast on NPR, which is so good and Ooh. insightful so i thought let's have these three together and i can you know lo lob questions at them and and think about and and see how they answer i love that oh that's awesome i will be there but i'd be a little worried about being analyzed like no comment <laughs> okay i had very different ones um i had truman capote because you you're gonna pick he's my favorite author and he just is groundbreaking, he was groundbreaking in terms of creating, you know, the narrative nonfiction within cold blood. And he's also, he was very gossipy. So I figured he'd be a lot Ooh. of fun. Um, a celebrity author whose book um, I listened to recently and was just blown away by just for many reasons was Matthew McConaughey. So I would have to include him because he, has had the craziest life and um he would be a lot of fun 
And then for some random reason, Freddie Mercury popped into my head. I mean, you know, he wrote songs. I am like, am I just putting him in there? Not because I want to have a book club with him, but because if I could pick, you know, anybody to see in concert, it would be him. And this is my way of, you know, of, of getting that chance, you know, through this imagination. So it would be a very eclectic book club, but I also think it would be a ton of fun and there would be a lot of wine involved. I love both of those. And then if you guys merged your book club, I'm sure things would (laughs) really take off. We'd want to know like what was going on in Freddie Truman and Matthew's mind. Um, I love love those answers. Um, Your current binge series yeah, Greer, I can go first if you want for this one. Yeah, um, yeah. So I have, I've been binging a lot lately and like I've loved some of them like Inventing Anna. And, but one of, one, one of the ones I'm almost done with is um, Pam and Tommy. And Ooh. it's on Hulu and it is the behind the scenes story of the honeymoon tape that got out with Pamela Anderson and um, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. And it is fascinating and it just makes me wonder I mean she went through just such a terrible terrible time and it just makes me think about the way women were treated you know Mm -hmm. as compared to men especially you know with things like sexuality Um, they still are today but I think it was even more you know marked you know 20 years ago and um, I, I thought it was just so well done and so I'm almost done with that. Ooh, that's on my list. It's so good. Um, awesome. There's, there is, there's so much good TV right now. Um, mm-hmm. I just finished inventing Anna, and I also finished the Dropout, um, which is about you know the Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes. One of my favorite books from I guess it was a couple of years ago was Bad Blood, and mm-hmm. uh, Sarah and I talk about it all the time. We always say like we wish we could have created Elizabeth Holmes as what character she had been perfect in our books. Same with Anna from you know the Inventing Anna. Like these women are so so compelling. Um, so those are the two I just uh, I just finished binging. Both of those bu- bad blood I loved, and then I read um, the my friend Anna, the friend um, yeah. who who's in. And I was saying last night when I was chatting with Sally Hepworth because she was watching Inventing Anna. I, I've never I listened to it, and I had so much anxiety listening to it um, because I had read the read the cut article, and then I was like, well, I need to listen to this book because I need to know like the deep story, and I was picturing if that was me, like being abandoned in foreign countries with like no money and all the, and I was like, it was so stressful to listen to. So I, Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch Inventing Anna, but it was just like, it was like you were in like a a novel. I mean, you were like, is this even real? It was so it's both of those stories were so crazy. Um, so yeah. Um, last favorite book and current read. Um, okay, so my last favorite book, um, this might be a surprise, but I studied um, journalism at Columbia and I really love to read narrative nonfiction. So I just finished Invisible Child. Um, it's written by his Pulitzer Prize winner, um, Andrea Elliott. And mm-hmm. the book 
basically follows these eight years in the life of this girl, Dasani, who grows up in Brooklyn in a shelter. And um, she gets the opportunity to go to boarding school because she's really bright, but then she just, the pull to her family with her other, all her siblings um, kind of brings her back into this really harrowing environment. And it just, it's so moving and so well-researched how this wow. author got in there, heartbreaking. So that's the last great book I've read. And then my current read, it's, it's so Invisible Child is really long and my mm -hmm. current read is really short. It's called The Swimmers um, by Julia Otsuka. And mm. it's um, it's a novel about what happens to a group of these obsessed recreational swimmers when a crack appears at the bottom of their local pool. And it's beautifully written, a powerful mother-daughter story. Oh, Just out, it's just out. The Swimmers, okay, that sounds good. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, so the last best book I read, and I'm late to this, but I bring it up because, you know, there might be other people who, for whatever reason, missed this book, um, The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. I, um, after she passed away, I went to my local bookstore, Politics and Prose, and I was just browsing, and they had a whole little display of her work. And I picked it up, and I'm like, wait, did I read this? Did I not read this? And I started to read and I looked up an hour later, I had read several mm. chapters. I, I had never read it before, I realized. I brought it home and I woke up at 3 a.m. to finish reading it within 24 hours. And oh. it, it was just a beautiful you know, meditation on loss and love. And mm -hmm. she writes in such an earnest, she's a journalist and very earnest and honest writing. And my... Um, my current read, I'm so glad you mentioned Sally Hepworth because <laughs> I'm reading The Younger Wife and it is her best book. I mean, she, she just gets better and better. I absolutely love her. And she is coming to the States on book tour in April. And she and I are doing an event together in Virginia on uh, April 7th, which I'm so excited for. She mentioned that and she was so excited and she was reading The Golden Couple and she was like, <laughs> I, that was her, I think that was her last favorite book, I think. And her current book was something else. And we were both, we were both totally, you know, loving it, loving over the book last night. So I love when like worlds collide. Um, it's just so well, We have the same editor and the same publicist. So um, I know, you know it's, it's kind of a small world, right? In yeah. yeah. So fun. Um, Describe your writing space. Oh, you want me to go uh, first, Chris? I can go. Um, I, so I used to write at this round table in my living room um, and behind me were like my bookshelves and in front of me was a view of Central Park. Um, but then with the arrival of COVID, as we talked about before, I had all these people in my house and my husband has never gone back to his office and he's taken over our dining room. So now I rotate around my apartment. So I'm in my bedroom. I'm in my, my daughter's in college. I go to her bedroom. I, we have a common room in our apartment building, which is actually where I'm recording this right now. And I also work at the New York society library. So my little, my like the place I did everything has now, it's, I never, I barely ever am there anymore. <laughs> Yeah. And that, I mean, partly that um, is probably because Greer and I are each writing a solo book right now. So we're not doing the kind of walk and talk in the morning. So our, our both of our locations and our process have um, changed up. So 
for me, um, I love to get up super early, like freakishly early. Sometimes earliest I'll do is four Mm -hmm. and go down and make a cup of coffee in the super quiet house. And my little dog sleepily like pads down after me and I sit on the couch and I generally write there until like my back starts to hurt. (laughs) And then I get some water and then I have a little office, which is just really a desk, but I have big whiteboards around it, which I mm-hmm. love for plotting. So I um, sit up in the office and I, you know, get in a little more work time and then take the dog for a walk and think and then come back and, you know, write more in the afternoons. Oh, I love that. Oh, I, what are, can you guys share like what you got, like the solo things you are working on, or is it still just new and you can't really talk about it? And please tell me that you're coming back together again. <laughs> I can't really say, but go ahead. Well, we're under contract. At, yeah, sorry, we're under contract with St. Martin's for another book together. Okay. Sarah can tell you more about her book. I um, probably predictably, she's like, has written a lot more. I'm super excited about what I'm working on, but I can't really talk about it yet. Okay. Yeah, so mine um, has the working title, which will change, is When I Disappear, and it's with the same editor that um, has done my co-written books with Greer and Sally's editor, Jen Enderland, and the same publisher, and it will be out um, next year. So I've just finished up the first draft, and I'm going back in and, you know, digging in and layering in more stuff. (gasps) Exciting. I'm excited for you both, but I'm still glad that there's one more to, at least one more to come from you guys. Um, both. Um, name something chic. Okay. I went for the easy answer and said a French woman because I'm like, I'm a writer. I live in yoga pants. Um, so I am not the chicest person in the world right now, but I will tell you that the little rescue dog next to me is wearing a very chic flowered dog collar that makes her look super <laughs> fancy. So I don't know if that's the kind of answer you were looking for, but that that's the best I've got right now. <laughs> I love it. I have to say, I thought this was the hardest question that you asked because <laughs> my instinct was also the cliche of the French of the French woman because that's just what you what you think. But I I I, I guess what I was thinking is like it maybe it doesn't have to be that French woman, but it's that woman who like kind of glides into the room and her shoulders are back and she's you know super confident and she you know has eye contact with everybody and she makes everyone feel like they're like the most special person in the room. And so that's the that's what I'm gonna say because this was a tricky one. (laughs) I know you could go really anywhere with this question. I mean, it could be an item. It could be a, it could be anything, but I love that confidence is, is very chic. Um, Do you have a favorite book that you gift? I do. I, um, there's a book I read many years ago called the gift of fear by Gavin de Becker. And it actually, I believe saved me from a very dangerous situation that I was in once. Um, And it really is about the difference between our instincts and intuition, Mm -hmm. um, which are telling us something is truly scary and anxiety. And it's a gift that I have given to many new parents because when, you know, when we have, you know, a child, it, it, you know, the world becomes a lot uh, scarier. And this is Mm -hmm. just really a sensible way to kind of navigate through life. I love that. Um, well, I don't, I wouldn't say I have something I've given over 
over years, but recently I've been giving everyone Amanda Gorman's The Hill We Climb, you know, the mm -hmm. poem that mm -hmm. she read at President Biden's inauguration. It's a slim little book, but I feel like it's, it's kind of for, you know, for, it, it, it appeals to, you know, anyone, it's like a perfect little hostess gift. So powerful too. Yeah. That's a yeah. great gift. Um, if you could have one song as the theme song of your life, what would it be and why? Um, I picked Alicia Keys' Empire State of Mind because it's a New York City anthem. And, you know, when I was a young girl, like my dream was always to make it in Manhattan. And that's what that song symbolizes to me. So it was, that was like the instinct answer, instinctual answer to that question. Unlike the chic one, which I struggled yeah. with. <laughs> I love that song. So mine is I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. And that, that is... Right, and isn't that such an upbeat song? And it's just totally. no matter what life throws at you, you will get through it, you will be fine. And I found like sometimes that song, because I, I love listening to like, you know, cheesy 70s and, you know, 60s music. And that song comes off uh, across my radio sometimes. And I cannot resist just like blasting and singing along and horrifying who's ever in my car with me. <laughs> it's a good anthem. Those are both great songs. Um, yeah, both our songs, Sarah, really about, about like kind of like, you know, making it and surviving and, you know, it's yeah. kind of funny. Yep, yep. Yeah, that is funny. And the Alicia Keys one, because you know how there's two versions, her just yeah. like solo at the piano and that they both are so powerful, like so powerful and good. Yeah. So I love both those. Yeah. I, think I, like, I think I like both Jay-Z actually even more. I should have said that. So yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. We love the Jay-Z one. Um, okay. Must have beauty item. Oh my God. Okay. So this, <laughs> this was also, I mean, I, I okay. I'm going to go because I can only pick really one thing. I guess what I'm going to say <laughs> is I feel like your best, you're, you you need less beauty items if you have good skin. So mm -hmm. I picked skincare products, which is the SkinCeuticals vitamin C for Ehrlich, which I mm -hmm. love. And then after that, the Augustine Bodar, the cream. And I, that, so those were what I went to, but if you want to do a deep dive later in part two, I can tell you about all of the makeup I love. Okay. We are do we're definitely doing that. So okay. you need to start working on your list now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So here's one where we actually answered a similar, um, a similar Ooh. way. So I said herbal face food because I have super sensitive skin. And so I found this product that is so natural you can actually eat it oh. it just it's made of plants and I loved it so much that I've been following on Instagram and the founder and I got in touch and he um set up this thing so that if I've posted a few things on Instagram that he'll give 50% of the profits to Doctors Without Borders which is a charity I picked if anybody you know buys it and puts in his his code so I pay full price for the items, although they do send me things occasionally that I, I don't request, but I, you know, I buy them on my own, but it just truly is like this one product I absolutely love. And it's called face food? Herbal face food. Okay. In I'm going to have to look plants. that up. It's like literally just plants. It's great stuff. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Is it a, it's a cream? A no, it's a liquid. It's a what serum, it? and it it kind of burns when you put it Ooh. on, mm. but it just feels so good. And they actually have 
you know, videos of people eating it. I mean, you don't want to do that because it's not cheap, but it's, you know, <laughs> people use a little dropper into their mouth and eat it. So I just love like, you know, having something super clean that works. Yes, we love performance in any product that we can see, <laughs> like actual, like this is working for me. Um, it's funny you both picked s- skincare just because when I worked, um, I worked for Bobby Brown at Barney's and you go to Bobby school um, to learn when this is when she was obviously with Bobby Brown and now she has Jones Road, but um and you just learn all about the canvas and all about the skin. And, and she was such a big proponent about that. And, and I, it sticks with me to this day. Like I could, when I go to bed, I'm like fully glossy. Like my husband's like, what is happening? Like it, cause I just layer on <laughs> so many things. Cause I feel like the skin just, you know, you can always be nourishing and feeding your skin. So I love those wait, wait, choices. Talk about the, oh, sorry, Jones, her new brand. That's also as if I had to pick a skincare, I mean, a beauty product. Yeah. I love her Miracle Bomb. Miracle Bomb. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I have, okay. So we'll talk, we'll talk later, but I'm, we I, will. I'm obsessed with her line. Okay. Yeah. I'm obsessed with their line to the point that I have a sweatshirt because I was like, I need to let people know. I need to be walking and talking this brand right now. It's so, so, so good. But yes, we will talk about that. But if pe- the okay. Miracle Bomb is, I don't even miracle. know what to say. It is a miracle and it smells good. It feels all of it, all of the above. Yep. Okay. Um, if you could name just one lipstick after a book, what would you call it and what shade would it be? Okay. Right. I, I- I picked Jennifer Weiner's Good in Bed. I think that would be a great for a book, for a lipstick, Good in Bed. Love. And And the shade would be like the color of your lips, but just like that kind of bitten, like, you know, like kind of like if you just had great sex, like what your lips would look like. I don't know how to describe that, but I just think that that would be a great idea. I That's a good one, Greer. That's really good. Yeah, that is a great answer. So I, I cheated a little bit. Instead of a book, I named it after a character from You Are Not Alone. So oh. I like more, M-O-O-R-E, for the Moore sisters, because they are, if you want to talk about chic and, you know, yeah. the it girls, that's who they are. And they're always at the right parties and they're always dressed perfectly. And I imagine that their lipstick would be just that perfect classic red that goes with everything just you know slightly glossy it would you know never smear and smudge and it would always be the exact right shade to wear oh I love both you guys a plus plus for your answers on that that those are both really really (laughs) good answers um okay and last best advice you've ever received Um, okay. So when I was training for my first and only marathon, my brother, who I'm really close to, who had written many marathons, warned me about the wall that I might hit while you're running. Mm-hmm. And you know, I used to train together and he would basically shout at me as we were running, what do you do when you hit a wall? You break it down. And that motto has served me well, whether it's like I'm writing, I'm running, I'm dealing with challenges with my kids. Like you see a wall, you break it down. That's the best advice I've got. That's a good motto. Really good. Um, So I read mine kind of through the lens of writing. um, And the best advice I've ever received is to write one page a day and you'll have a draft of your book in a year. 
And I don't, you know, follow that literally, but um, just the idea of like, you don't have to do it all at once. Like take it in small chunks, do the Anne Lamott bird by bird method and don't get overwhelmed by the, the entire landscape of filling out 400 pages. Just do a little bit every day and it adds up. I love that. I love both of those. And they actually, if you're an aspiring writer or writer, they go hand in hand so well. And Greer Years obviously translates. But also, Sarah, like if you're starting something new, you don't have to do it all. Like training for a marathon, you just chip away. So I love I love both those. They, they just complement each other, as do you both um, with your books and your writing. And this has been so like, literally something I've wanted to do since I read The Wife Between Us. So it's been such a joy um, to be able to chat with you both. Oh, thank you for having us. You had great original questions. Like we've never gotten, you know, a number of them before. And it was, and you know, you've been such a great supporter and friend since The Wife Between Us and even before for me. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Courtney. This was super fun. More questions. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Well, when we do our follow-up beauty episode, I'll have to do like a chicless part de. We'll do a French yeah. French version. But I am so glad. I'm so glad that Thank the you. wife between us landed on my doorstep. Thank you, Katie. Um, when I was just starting out, because you know, like I said, this is something that once I read you guys, I was like auto everything, the two of you. And I was like, someday if I blog or whatever, I would love to chat with them. And so I'm so happy that that came true. So the golden couple is out now. I can't recommend it enough. I can't recommend your whole backlist enough. I will shout from the rooftops whenever you guys need me to. And I'm so excited to look forward to your solo projects. Um, can you share your, your Instagram handles and where, where people can follow all and everything about you guys? I think I'm just, I think it's just Greer.Hendrix on Instagram. I think you're right. I I think that's it. And I know I'm easy to find on Facebook too, because my name is, you know, unique. My Facebook, I have huge trouble with, but um, yeah, I'm I'm best, I'm most active on Instagram. Yeah. And you can find me at Sarah Pekinen. My name is also very unique. There are not a lot of Sarah Pekinens out there. Um, So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. And I'm pretty responsive. Like I like you know, engaging on social media. So please do connect there. Awesome. And we will follow you and see all the amazing things to come. And thank you so, so much Um, again. And everybody stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you, ladies. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks a lot.